Nathan is already figuring out all the ways in which he will disagree. There's clearly a difference between kingdom of God and heaven. We clearly go to heaven, guys. (laughs) (laughs) All right, ready? Three, two, one. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Ether Podcast. Today, we are going to talk about what is the kingdom of God. And joining me today are two of my very good friends, Nathan Figueroa, the one who sells his soul to the law. And uh, all for law, baby. <laughs> and also, uh, who this week we're calling a traitor because he <laughs> wasn't on the podcast last time. But as you can see, also, Pequeño Juan is missing. We don't know where he's at. He didn't say anything. He just didn't show up. But yeah. But Beto betrayed us for snowy Colorado, which is okay. not betray us for anything. That's not a bad betrayal, although snow is evil and cold. No. <laughs> so that's it. Yeah, which which without Johnny just means a significantly less uh, podcast episode this week. Well, we shall try to salvage it with with yeah. uh, with our good faces. I'll do my best. So I don't. Yeah, I can't guarantee anything. <laughs> we shall see. But today, uh, we want to talk about what the kingdom of God is. Last time, we talked about sort of the, uh, some of the many obstacles that get in the way of us understanding what the kingdom is. And uh, all that being said, I think episode two in the series uh, would be a great place to say, what is the kingdom? Like, at the end of the day, what are we talking about when we say the kingdom of God? And... Um, one of the things is that I think it's, it's somewhat of a, there's no place in the Bible that I can go to chapter and verse to find the definition of the kingdom. One of the interesting things about the idea of the kingdom is that you sort of have to understand sort of the arc of the Bible story to really get a picture of what it is. And interestingly enough, I have never read a book that just plainly states in a page, this is what the kingdom is. And so I have come up with a definition, right, that I've been sort of, uh, it's been my working definition through a lot of the videos that I've been producing about this topic, uh, which, by the way, if you go and uh, find our YouTube channel, Ether MMC, you will see some of those, and please subscribe and share with other people if you like them. But that being said, um, I want to offer a definition to you guys for what the kingdom is, and then I want to look at some scripture to sort of back up the definition, all right? So the working definition that I have for the kingdom of God, all right, is that it's a place where God dwells, where his king sits, and where he partners with people to bring his blessings to the rest of creation, all right? And if you look at sort of the, the story of the Bible, that is, seems to be like what the kingdom is supposed to be. All right, and if you look at it in as many forms, that is what it's supposed to be. So that being said, let me read some passages that sort of back what I'm saying. Uh, if you, uh, you guys don't have to turn there, but if you want, you're more than welcome to. This is in Genesis 2, uh, and this is a uh, portion of our podcast that we like to call reading, starting in verse <laughs> 1, Genesis 2, uh, starting in verse 15. Uh, and by the way, if we ever get popular enough, this would be a great sponsored segment. You know what I mean? Like... You know, reading something brought brought to you by McDonald's. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. by Raycon, by Ray Shadow <laughs> Legends. <laughs> True, <laughs> that would work too. <laughs> let me tell. Let me tell you. Let me tell you about these earbuds. <laughs> you need to hear God's word. How better than Raycon? That's right. <laughs> 
All right, let me read this. It's, uh, <laughs> the Lord God took the man. This is uh, just for context. This is at, at the end of, uh, well, it's part of the creation story. And God has created everything. Now he's put man in the Garden of Eden. It says, uh, the Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and take care of it. And the Lord God commanded the man, you are free to eat from any tree in the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. For when you eat from it, you will certainly die. The Lord God said, it is not good for the man to be alone. I will make a helper suitable for him. Now the Lord God formed out of the ground all the wild animals and all the birds in the sky. He brought them to the man to see what he would uh, name them. And whatever name the man called each living creature, that was his name. So the men gave names to all the livestock, the birds in the sky, and all the wild animals. And so one of the interesting things about this passage is that there's two instances, right, in which basically God gives partnering authority to man to tend to what he's made. So God creates the Garden of Eden and basically tells Adam, like, hey, like, you're going to keep this garden. And also he is basically giving, giving him, like, creation authority by allowing him to name the animals. Like, a thing is not a thing until you name it, mm. right? And so what he's doing here is he's basically giving, sort of like giving him equal authority in as far as creation goes by allowing him to name things. And so from very early on in the Bible, we see that God is a God who wants to partner with people to sort of do and keep uh, the things that he has made, right? And so in, again, here you have uh, Adam doing that very thing. Uh, also in Genesis 12, this is much, much later in the story here, uh, but, but uh, I'm sorry, uh, sorry, let me find it, here we go. In Genesis 12, uh, when this is much later in Genesis, uh, now Adam and Eve messed up and ate from the fruit, and then uh, the flood happens and Babel happens, not necessarily in that order, but now God is trying to work through Abram uh, to basically have a people, right? And this is what he says. It says, uh, the Lord said to Abram, go from your country and your people and your father's household to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation and I will bless you. I will make your name great and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and whoever curses, curses you, I will curse. And all peoples on earth will be blessed through you in a passage that's very much like it in uh genesis uh 18 let me turn there really quick because i thought i had it but i don't uh in genesis 18 starting in verse uh, 16 he says something very similar to abram he says um uh when the man got up to leave they looked down towards sodom and abram walked along with them to see them on their way and then the lord said shall i hide from abram uh, from Abraham, which now he calls him Abraham, what I'm about to do. Abraham will surely become a great and powerful nation, and all nations on earth will be blessed through him, right? And so, again, this is the idea that through his kingdom, through this the group that God has chosen, all nations will be blessed. And the last one, which I talked about how the kingdom of God is where his king sits, uh, we now fast forward all the way to Matthew 28, uh, towards the end of the Gospel of Matthew. And uh, this is a passage that we're all very familiar with because in our church culture, it's a very crucial passage. But then uh, starting in verse 16, it says, Then the 11 disciples went to Galilee to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. 
Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. This is Jesus basically commissioning his disciples to go and spread the kingdom of God. But how he prefaces that instruction is by saying like, hey, all authority on, on earth, in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Basically saying, I am the king of everything. And it is, it, is what was, it is sort of with that authority that I'm telling you to go and like spread my kingdom, basically. And so in these scriptures, even though like this is a lot more elaborate than, elaborate than this, what you find is sort of like material, if you will, uh, to uh, back up what I'm saying, which again, the kingdom of God is a place where God dwells, just like he did with Adam and Eve in the garden, just like he was trying to do with the nation of Israel and living in the temple, just like he does now with us as Christians and the spirit lives in us, right? And where his king sits, which Jesus is our king, and where he partners with people to go and bring his blessings to the rest of the world. And I think that is, uh, from as far as I can tell, and from much as much as I gather and from much as, as I read, as far as I understand the Bible, that is a good definition of what the kingdom of God is. And I think uh, once you understand that definition, like that, be, is, I, I would hope that that would have like some weight to go like, well, what does that mean for my life then? But before we get to that, uh, I do want to get your thoughts on sort of the passages that I read, but also on what uh, I'm saying the kingdom is, which I will not, I'm not saying that I'm the only one that's ever come up with this definition is that it didn't come out of nowhere. But like I said, I've been reading a lot of stuff and I have not sort of found a place that just someone wrote like, hey, this is exactly what the kingdom is. And I'm not saying that it doesn't exist. I'm just saying from all the stuff that I've been thinking about, praying about, gathering on, like this is sort of like, you know, as far, it's hard to come up with an episode called what is the kingdom of God and not come up with a definition. So all I'm saying is that that's yeah. what I came up with for the sake of content. Yeah. Not. Yeah, for sure. Um, I think uh, definitely something to just sort of let sink in. And I think continuing from the episode you guys did previously, which I wasn't a part of, I feel like Traitor. a lot, a lot of, <laughs> a lot of what was done there was um, provide a, a fresh definition and then concurrently ask, uh, what does this mean for us and and why is this important for us and i think what's so powerful about what we've laid out here is uh it's a place where god dwells and so presence uh of god is is so critical and and really really understanding how important presence is uh, you know when we're in our zoom era these days and and we're doing church over zoom and when we get together like the the depth the the connectivity that we have because we're in each other's presence is it, just so much better than than we can do it in zoom and so i think there's a there's a very powerful thing to understand about presence uh thinking about a king i think uh you know, is, is, is a fresh way for me to, to, to really focus on, uh, you know, it's, it's central to the gospel, central uh, to so much of what's written in the Old Testament. Um, 
And then I love that so much of this is about a partnership. Uh, God's decision was um, to bring a blessing to, to the entire world, but it was always going to be in tandem with, with man. And I think that's in particular where it, it really applies to us. It really brings it home. And uh, we see our role uh, in this process, in the kingdom, and that, that makes it relevant to us. Um, so yeah, uh, those are, those are my initial thoughts. Yeah. Uh, the, this is just, this is just the thing about reading the Bible. There's some things that the audience, you know, exegetically just inherently understood. And so, uh, I, I understand what Rodrigo is saying about like, there isn't a scripture that we can go to kingdom and kingdoms like the concept of kingdoms and nations and kings is just taken for granted in the bible right so if i were to explain bankruptcy to alberto in a letter i wouldn't start okay so first of all this is what a bank is a bank is an institution obviously the audience is already known so that's why it makes it a little bit hard with the kingdom of god but this is this is transforming me the stuff that that Rodrigo is talking about is changing the game, understanding that the kingdom of God, what we talked about last time, it's actually one of the main narratives of the Bible right up there with salvation, that those two are inherent to each other and equally important to the Bible changes everything. Um, and so we, we continue to see like Paul and his contemporaries were saying that the kingdom of God is near. Well, what does that mean? Right. There's just, there's just different, there's just different, methods of kingdom different forms of kingdom in the beginning it was eden and that was like as my understand it that was the perfect kingdom of god pure true partnership approach almost as equals like even back then for whatever reason god could be in the presence of them physically in the presence for some reason after that god could not physically be in the presence of mankind but that was in the garden in his creation which he made to be good and he walked with man it was perfect kingdom and then afterwards the fall and then there's the israelites and the israelites was the kingdom for a while to be a model to be a beacon through avram <laughs> to be the one guy uh you know and, and through him all all the nations will be blessed and then now the kingdom is 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 coming it's open with jesus has opened the floodgates and now the kingdom is here it, it just kind of changes the understanding of everything um because like then you talk about the difference between heaven and the kingdom of God. Like are those two distinct entities? And when you realize that it's, if you look as the kingdom of God is his presence and his reign and rule in your life and on earth, then any Christian is in the kingdom, which means that the kingdom is here on earth. Right. And, and something that Rodrigo shared to me that changed everything is like there's schools of thought on Matthew 28, right? There's a translation that says, instead it says, go and disciple the nations, Right. And so, you know, I had this concept in my mind that Abraham will be a blessing to all nations. Well, why? Because God and, uh, you know, faith and, uh, you know, God's way, the, the way of life is just a blessing to anybody who chooses it. So Abraham will go and like all the nations will see how great God's life is and they will join God's life. And, and then further, you know, people will join the church and, and they'll be blessed that way. But then I realized that, God knew that not everybody would. And so the point of the kingdom is to bless and just be a positive force to the rest of the world. It's not just to be insular and just like try and get people in. And if you're not in, right. then you're out. 
like this changes everything this this is like that then it then it makes sense to just to just serve then it makes sense to hope help the the the, the homeless and the needy the, like to say that your true religion is to serve you know the widows and the orphans the poor like that's your true religion it, it then makes sense because we're supposed to be a blessing to all nations not you get blessed by joining our nation and that it just now i'm starting to see i had this question last part time of like well if we redefine our definition of kingdom what what is it do we like have a more focused you know worship no this changes our lives it changes how we approach things and i'm continually being renewed by this and it's it's challenging stuff and i think it's important to understand and it's it's something that i want to continue to learn and dive deep into with you guys yeah you know it's interesting because one of the um like one of the the interesting things about the kingdom of god is sort of like all of the all of the places in which um it does its work if that makes sense and let me explain what i mean because the presence of god does something like when in in the bible when you read whenever god is present like something amazing happens right um whenever like the the presence the presence of a king and the existence of a king like has influence over things right and basically like whatever the king says is what's supposed to go like the a king has a type of authority and also when there's a there's a uh there's a passage in ezekiel that's become one of my favorite passages in the bible because ezekiel was basically written uh when the nation of israel was exiled and a lot of ezekiel is basically how god is going to restore the kingdom of israel right the kingdom of god basically and towards the tail end of the book of uh, ezekiel there's this passage where he describes like water coming out of the temple and it became it begins as a trickle and little by little this trickle of the temple basically becomes a river and this river flows towards the dead sea and the dead sea is a very barren region of the world like if you go there it's like it's, it's a desert nothing grows there but basically as this water flows towards the dead sea it brings it to life and to me like this whole idea of being a blessing to the nations like it's 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 that very thing that like wherever the kingdom of God spreads, like good things are supposed to grow. And I think when you think of those three aspects of the kingdom, right, they're all in turn supposed to really um, like change what it is that we're bringing to people. You know, I, I've been I've been part of a lot of discussions lately with like friends and just trying to figure out like what are we supposed to do like as as a church right? Like ultimately, like what, what are we supposed to bring to people? And certainly, you know, we're supposed to bring truth and we're supposed to bring grace and all that stuff. Uh, but again, like, I think it, it, the question needs to be asked of like, man, like if God is present in this group, right? Like, what does that really mean? Like, what would be the consequence of God being present here? Right? Like if, if God is legitimately in us, like if he lives in us through his spirit, like, what that means is like we should be seeing amazing things happen and and i don't say that as a if you're not seeing amazing things happen like then god must not be among you that's not what i'm saying what i'm saying is that because we often not think of the kingdom of god in 
in terms of like God's presence, right? Um, we we tend to not think of that. Is all I'm saying. Like on social media before today, I I posted something where like I asked people, uh, you know, what if somebody asked you what the kingdom is, what would you what would you say? And what's interesting is that a bunch of people answered like, you know, the kingdom of God is not a place, is where his people dwell, which is true. I would say that that's true. And then somebody else posted that, you know, is where God dwells. But I think that to me, people's responses were very telling in that we don't, we don't, we don't tend to think of those things all as the kingdom, right? Because the kingdom is a place where God dwells and where his people dwell, right? But it's both. There's not one or the other. But understanding them as a whole, like really changes everything. And one of the things that I find very interesting, and I mentioned this last time uh, when we did the podcast, is once you sort of understand the kingdom and sort of like the the um, the spread it has throughout the, the, the story of the Bible, is like you begin to see it everywhere. And you know, one of the one of one of the amazing things is like is is the fact that that Jesus was bringing the kingdom when he shows up he is is people feel the presence of god like they hear his voice when he goes and is baptized uh by john the baptist like the voice of god is heard like his presence is known that god is with this man right uh blessings begin to be poured upon people he heals the sick he you know multiplies wine for the party he you know, gives words of comfort to people. Like he is kind, he's generous, he's gracious. Like he corrects uh, when people are being mistreated. Like all of those are blessings onto people. And on top of that, he also shows how he has authority over things that normal people don't have authority over. Like the fact that he has authority over evil spirits and he can drive them out. The fact that he uh, the way that he teaches is taught with more authority than the Pharisees and the scribes. Like all of those things, like all of those, all of the elements of the kingdom of God are present when Jesus shows up. And again, like even when you think about all the places where man has failed, Jesus succeeded. Like where, like you know, the the story of the Bible is one of a lot of failure, and the people, the the supposed people of God fail all the time. And in all the same places where people of God failed, Jesus succeeds. And so even again, like Jesus is showing us how to be the perfect people of God. Like in his life, the way that he behaves, the way that he acts, the way that he lives is ultimately showing us like this is how we become the people of God. And to me, again, it's just like when you understand all these things together, like it gives a whole nother dimension, not only to how we're supposed to live, but also like what we're supposed to, to bring to people. Uh, I want to ask, um, what do you think? So, I mean, obviously you're saying that an understanding of the kingdom of God should produce different things. And so not necessarily that if you're not seeing these things that, you know, you're not really in the kingdom of God or God doesn't really dwell in you. Right. But what do you think, what consequences are you seeing actual consequences right now of maybe the church or different churches not having this understanding of the kingdom of God? Like, what does it look like now? And what it would, what would it look like practically 
once people get it? Well, I'll give you one of uh, that I think is uh, a very heavy consequence right now, um, particularly because of all the political turmoil that is happening as we speak. Mm. So uh, before we, we engaged in this conversation, we were talking about social media and all that stuff, right? Mm. And I think uh, things are very politically charged right now. Like the political conversation right now is super, super heavy, right? And I think one of the things that's giving it that weight is the weight that a lot of uh, people of faith put on politics, right? And I think one of the, if, I'll give you this example. If Jesus is king, right? A kingdom is defined by its king, right? Like a king dictates what kind of kingdom you are a part of. And especially in the case of Jesus, Jesus gave very specific parameters as to how not only the people of, of his kingdom are supposed to behave, but how his kingdom is supposed to advance, right? Like uh, Isaiah 42 talks about how uh, God was going to send a king, a king of justice, but it also says that he's not going to break a reed or he's not basically, he's not going to be a, a violent king. He's going to be a, a gentle, peaceful king. And if Jesus is our king, then he is the one dictating the terms of the kingdom. And so one of the things that I think is, is really interesting is that a lot of the political conversation that, uh, it's happening right now. It's really not a matter of politics. It's a matter of power, right? Like we, we have uh, all of these groups trying to have power so they can basically um, fulfill their agendas, right? But how we do that matters. Like if, if we are people of the kingdom, right, and the king taught us to behave a certain way, then how we are to advance the kingdom is supposed to be in the kingdom way, which the kingdom way is one of uh, generosity. Uh, and I would even say disproportional generosity, mm -hmm. like in the Sermon on the Mount, right? Which in many ways I think can be considered sort of the, the ethics of the kingdom, right? In the Sermon on the Mount, there's a whole section in which Jesus basically teaches us how to deal with injustice, which is basically what he says, like, hey, if somebody comes and slaps you, you turn the other cheek. If somebody wants your tunic, like uh, if somebody wants your upper garment, you give them your tunic, right? And if uh, there's a section there that if somebody comes and asks you to walk a mile, you go and walk four, right? And that specifically is, uh, is referring to conscription, like, it, it was not an unusual practice for the Roman Empire to, as you were walking down the street, they would just stop you and be like, you're going to come do this work for us. And it was illegal for you to say no. But at the same time, there was a limit. There was a limit to how much of that the Roman Empire could ask you to do. And so if they asked you to march more than a mile, they, they didn't have the right to do that. And so Jesus is basically saying like, hey, even in the case in which your, your government would oppress you, how you're supposed to react to that, is was disproportional generosity. Like if somebody comes and slaps you in the face, right? Somebody comes and, and shows aggression towards you, you're supposed to turn the other cheek. That's disproportional generosity. If somebody comes and sues you, 
and they want one thing from you, you give them everything. Like all of that is disproportionate generosity. And that's how he lived his life. You know what I mean? Like he, he was accused of crimes that he didn't commit and he gave his life. That's disproportionate generosity. And so like it, it, it's, it's, a, it's incumbent upon us, right, to understand what the kingdom way is. And then in turn, like take, again, take the example of politics, right? I don't think there's anything wrong with saying like, hey, this candidate is quote unquote more Christian than the other one. You're entitled to that opinion. But like how we bring about that, uh, how we bring about that, push for that person matters and i think what i've seen recently is just a lot of people compromising the kingdom way for the sake of like having their guy there mm-hmm. can you guys hold on a second my kid can you guys hear my kids yell and scream in the background absolutely all right hold back. on a second it means you're human <laughs> sorry about that and he's back so um so yes yeah. like I, I i think ultimately like Ultimately, it affects even how we spread the kingdom. It, when you take that, the, the definition of the kingdom as including all of those things, like I think it affects all of those things. I'm really glad you said that because um, this has been, and, it, and it's funny because like I didn't even approach it from a kingdom mindset. I just approached it just looking at Jesus um, and I've just been drawing this different conclusion of people's approach to not only politics, but social media, social justice, social change, right? Um, and, and this idea of disproportional generosity. And, and I'm, this is a conversation we started during Unity. This is a conversation we had last time about, about how, how, how does the kingdom of God represent itself and how does it defend God in, in these times in a virtually connected world with social media and all these things. And, and it's kind of funny that you're saying this because we've even had some conversations where I think <laughs> your approach is a little bit different from what I'm thinking, but this is, this is exactly my understanding, disproportional generosity. This, this idea that in, in some cases to agape is just to lose battles. And I think some Christians, I have conversations with Christians that they just draw lines, you know, and I don't even think they do it maliciously. I don't even think they do it intentionally. They just draw lines. It's at a certain point, they draw a line, meaning at a certain point, I have to defend God's justice. At a certain point, uh, I need to be, and even with people of the world, but also people within the church. Like when you have conversations with somebody and maybe something you do hurts somebody's feelings, you have a conversation with them and they just can't be humble and they can't understand what you're saying. These people will then draw a line of like, well, at this point you need to grow. And Paul talks about even within the church, it's like, he says in Corinthians, is it not better to be wronged? This is talking about lawsuits between Christians in the church. You are the kingdom. You are God's people. How, how could you even think of going to earthly courts to solve your problems between each other? You're the kingdom. You're supposed to be unified. Isn't it better to be wronged? Isn't it better to be cheated? My translation says cheated. It's ESV. It's crazy. So we draw lines, but it's disproportional generosity. And that's the thing. This is what you're talking about when you said God's presence. It is with God's presence, the Holy Spirit. And his presence in Jesus, you know, basically Jesus being God's flesh and blood, it, it does something 
otherworldly. That is the point, and I've said it a million times. And so this disproportional generosity, I think that's the approach right now. I, I, I think it's, and this is a question I asked last time is, you said that God's kingdom brings justice. And I asked you about it. What kind of justice is the kingdom, the people allowed to bring? And this is the answer. The justice is to the downtrodden. It's to the oppressed. It's to the weak. And that justice is love, right? And I think what I've seen is that people think that standing up against injustice, right, is, is the kingdom way. And, and it's weird to say that. You're right. And you'll say it is the kingdom way. Yes, you're right. But it's the way, <laughs> it is the way that we represent justice. It is the way that we approach justice and injustice. I think the number one, from what I see from Jesus' ministry, spending 60, 70% of his time just healing, just serving, just spending time with people, just loving. And people were amazed by his love and his works, right? I think the way, the kingdom way to deal with injustice is, is to go to the unjustly treated and to love and to serve. And then when we talk about justice, we talk about love. It, it's the whole idea is that it's supposed to be upside down. Yeah. So if we're going upside down and we're communicating with people, if you think people are, 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 are calling for this kind of change, well then to be upside down is to call for this kind of change. I argue, I don't think so. I think it is so upside down that it's like, let me just love. Let me just promote unity and love. I, it, and we can comment. You said we can comment on, on our political opinions and we can comment on, you know, which candidate we think aligns with those opinions more. But to be truly upside down, I think, is to approach the battle that society is fighting today in a completely different way of just love and disproportional generosity. I'm so glad that you said it. Like, it really resonates with me. Yeah, I, I can share something here. Uh, yeah, just going back to um, what you talked about, uh, Ezekiel, the the flowing uh, river from the temple, and it, it's it's a thought that comes to my mind a lot when I think about the kingdom. And I, I literally was just talking to Megan, my wife, about it last night because um, I think the question came up: Okay, like, what does it look like? And maybe a very similar question you were having with your your small group, Rodrigo. But it, yeah, what does it look like? Okay, I, I'm ready to to sell out to to do everything for the kingdom. What what does that look like? And and some of those things for for me and and Megan who have grown up in a, in in this tradition, and maybe similar for you guys, we we default to okay, I'm going to have to cold contact uh, meet people on a camp on a campus. And then I'm going to have to go through a 10 to 12 step Bible study. <laughs> and, and I think part of the kingdom and why it's important to, to uh, expand our understanding is it, the more I learn about it, the, the bigger all of this becomes to me. And I think part of the kingdom can be meeting people, cold contact and doing a 12 part Bible study. But I think we really limit the kingdom when that is all of it. Yes. And to me, the, the image of, of a river flowing from a temple is very helpful because I think I just see flowing water that's going all sorts of places and it's very dynamic and it's, it's flowing left and right. And it's, 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 it's just flooding, uh, previously, um, empty places, previously unvegetated places, it's just flooding it. 
and and I think that is a uh, a helpful image for us is are are we that to our local community? Are we just like this flowing river that because of our presence there, uh, this this area around us is is flourishing? You know, like y- you can make the parallel of what uh, a human life unvegetated looks like versus a human life that is fruitful and flourishing looks like. I, I don't think that's a hard thing for us to wrap. Um, our heads around and uh one more note on that image as well and by the way that's in uh, ezekiel 47 uh for those listening and uh you know just a great passage that i i oh, yeah. every time i read it just really really moves me but i love that water is flowing from the temple and that the source of this river is that temple and temple is where god's presence dwells and you know we can we can just dig so deep into this concept of, of dwelling and presence we see it uh garden of eden is god's presence and then that turns into the tabernacle and the temple uh down the line and incredibly jesus comes uh and his through his sacrifice and resurrection the curtain in the temple is 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 torn and paul says our bodies are the temple where, where the Holy Spirit dwells within. So, so wrap that around your head in terms of like, what does the kingdom mean for me personally is as a Christian, I am walking around as, as a, as a temple and, and, and we as a community are, are need are coming together to do exactly what God told Abraham go to all the nations and be a blessing to the, all the nations. And so, you know, I, I think it's, it's, to me, it's just a very empowering image of, um, of, of being a blessing to all nations, but it's ultimately for me, it's, it, it, it then isn't just one thing. It's not a list of things. It's not, I can't tell you it's these five things. And now you're living by the kingdom or you've arrived in the kingdom, but it's like, I think it's, it's just, infinitely so many of these things and it's not just going to be one of them yeah you know i think one of the one of the things that has developed as i've understood this whole concept of the kingdom more and more is like what what the church can become if we seriously pursue uh what the kingdom is supposed to be And, and let me say this i don't think anybody that that like what we're talking about I, i'm not saying that if, if you don't understand this like you, it's a malicious thing or any of that stuff like I, all of this has come as a at least for me has come as a result of some re- very serious and deep bible study and i think everybody should do that and if this is not a place where you are no i'm not looking down on you and i'm not saying that where you are is a bad place i think for all of us this is a journey but i say all that to say this as I've learned more about the kingdom and what it's supposed to be, what has developed in my mind is this dream for what the church can be, right? And the one of the one of the things that hurts me in my heart the most, man, is what a negative perception people have of Christianity. Right. And I think a lot of the source of that is because they've seen a lot of Christians pursue the Christian cause in a really bad way. 
And to me, one of the upsides is that if we understand the kingdom well, then we can pursue the Christian cause in a kingdom way. And man, I would love it if every church and whatever the community is, would be the place where community needs are met. Like, say your community, just as an example, a completely theoretical example, has an orphanage that hosts, I don't know, 60 orphans, right? How awesome would it be if the church went to that orphanage and be like, you know what? We'll take them all. We will find homes for every single one of these kids. And there will be good homes with good loving parents that are going to take care of them, right? What if, like, maybe you can't give a homeless, uh, every homeless person in your city a roof over their heads. But what if you fed them all? What if, like, you try to, I don't know, like, find jobs for all of them? What if, like, any of, any, any, anything that is a need in the community, how awesome would it be if the church is the place where those needs are met? And, and I think of that, and I think of the powerful statement that we would be making about Christ and his love and his kingdom if, if sort of that's some of the stuff that we spent our time doing. And I'm not saying that the other things that we spend our time doing are bad. I think if anything, what understanding, what understanding the kingdom is, what it does is that it magnifies the amount of things that you could do as a church. Because you're right, and I don't think, and I don't think it's been wrong of our church. Our, our church is very evangelistic, right? And we put a lot of emphasis on converting people, which every church should. Uh, but I do think that all the times we sort of like paint ourselves in a corner where like this is the only thing that we're going to do. And but the thing is, like, when again, when you look at what the kingdom is, that opens the door for other things to do. And then you open the door for God to do his work. I would like to see and I long to see a church be that that place, right, where God dwells and where his king lives and where like blessings are being brought upon the world. And each one of those things has a different effect on our lives and on and what surrounds us. But I do think that one of the more evident ones is what I'm talking about, that like the church should be a place where like needs are met. And there should not be anything that the church is unwilling to say, like, you know what, like we could do something. Maybe we can't necessarily fix it, but we can do something about it. Like, let us involve ourselves with this and, and let's see what God can do. And I think, unfortunately, especially in the past four years, a lot of people have not seen that. A lot of people have seen, like, Christians show up to back up a man that I think in many ways and for many people has very questionable morals and very questionable character. And I think in many ways it, it's hurt us. And I'm not saying to anybody that I'm talking about Donald Trump in case you didn't understand that. Uh, for anybody who has supported Trump, I'm not saying that, you know, you're any kind of evil or any of those things, but I would ask that you consider, like, is going about pushing the Christian cause uh, by backing someone like that the kingdom way? And I, and I would say that, again, looking at the Bible and what the Bible says about the kingdom, you'd have a hard time saying that that is how God wants us to spread the kingdom. So it's not a matter of just like advancing the kingdom. It's a matter of doing it in the way that, that the king says that we should. 
and again, when you look at his life and when you look at what he instructed his followers to do, it's very different. It is upside down. Like, you know, there's, there's three passages that come to mind when it comes to that. Like two times Jesus told his disciples what a great, what greatness is, right? And both of those times it has to do with like being, like we think of someone great and we think of somebody who's like, you know, big chest, like shoulders raised and just standing like this, looking over everybody. But Jesus says that it's completely the opposite. That if you want to be great in the kingdom of God, you have to be less. And he says that once. And then he says also that if you want to be great in the kingdom of God, you have to be like a child, right? Mm -hmm. Like you have to be like the most insignificant of beings in the human realm, which is children. And some of us don't like children. I'm looking at you, Nathan. But Jesus said that in order to be great, you have to be like a child, which is one of the reasons why I have toys back here is to keep my child, uh, my child heart going is yeah. why I have toys. <laughs> uh, but like, that's, and again, like that is very different than to say like, Hey, to be great, you have to be better than everybody else. Mm. And, but we got to know those things. Yeah. Yeah. I think um, somewhat like well, a lot of what you're, you're talking about is really making things turn in my head right now. But I, I think when we think about the kingdom, like, I think we grow up in our, you know, Christian walk and, and often are looking for very well-defined how-tos and kind of things like that. And I feel like what the kingdom really teaches me is it, it just expands it way further than, than I even knew. And, I, you know, you brought up about like, what if a church was like, we'll take on, you know, all the orphans and we'll find a house or we'll take on the homeless and we're going to actively try to find a job for them. Those are so outside of the box. Like there, there is no norm uh, that, that, that you're going to find. And, and I think that's the power of the kingdom. Like if the Bible was just a bunch of some rules to, to, to follow, like, there wouldn't be an, a big enough book to like detail all the things you possibly could. But I think when you start understanding the kingdom as this uh, like God's dwelling and Jesus as King, and we're partnering with him to be a blessing to all nations, then you, you you're, you're really starting to think outside the box and you're really starting to think critically about the places around you. And I think what that, that leads me to next is like, this is really demanding. Like this, this really takes my heart. Like it, it, it requires like just, just for me to really pour myself into people because it's a lot simpler to, um, if you're telling me the kingdom is show up for church, be part of a body, tithe to that church um and and be a pretty decent person like right. don't you know curse don't uh be sexually immoral like you know that that's gonna be pretty simple for me but but to think about like i've got to look around my community uh you know does does it does it look like god's presence is here and and to think critically about like what what that would look like I think we'll take a lot out of me and, and honestly, we'll take a lot 
will require a lot for us to be so much more in prayer and rooted to the vine and abiding in God. You know, like there's so many things that we know about scripture that just become so much more alive when you're thinking of the kingdom in, in a, a much more expansive way, it, how we're, how we're talking about it here. Yeah. You know, you just said something uh, that I think is super important, right? And again, like I think we're, we're talking about sort of like not only what the kingdom is, but sort of what the implications of that definition is. Right. And one of the things that I think, I think as as Christians we can have many different ambitions, right? But if if our our ambitions are are aligned with what the kingdom is, how awesome of an ambition is. You know what? Like I'm going to make it my mission so that people know that God is here. Right? Because if 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 we did something like set out to like, you know, like every orphan in this in this county, in this city, whatever, in this community, is going to be taken care of. That is a monumental uh, undertaking, right? But if we do it, like that's a testament to God's power, right? Like if we somehow are able to achieve something like that, right? Then that tells people like God is here, right? But again, like that ambition would be born out of, I understand what the kingdom is. Right? I understand that we're supposed to be a blessing to people. I understand that God's presence is here and therefore amazing things can happen. Right. And I think I shared this last time on, on our previous episodes. Like one of the places where all of this kingdom stuff was born for me was in looking at how Jesus talked about the kingdom. Because how Jesus talks about the kingdom is that he makes it this like magical thing that just does amazing things, right? One of them being like how the kingdom grows, like the kingdom is like a mustard seed that falls on the ground. And, you know, it is a smaller plant, but it eventually becomes, it goes everywhere and you cannot stop it. And it becomes this plant that, you know, trees, uh, birds come and rest on. The kingdom of God is like leaven that is like worked into dough little by little, it spreads everywhere. Like, and, and the thing is, that is, that has not been my experience with with what I would call the kingdom, right? And so that made me go like, if this is how the kingdom is supposed to work, again, does it not bear the question of like, are we really behaving like the kingdom? That's where this was all born for me, right? And if so, like, what what is supposed to be the kingdom? And and again, I don't mean that in a in a judgmental kind of way. Like, if your church is not behaving like those verses, then I'm not saying that you're not the kingdom, but I am saying like it it ought to make you ask a few questions. Like, God ultimately knows, like where we stand with all of these things. And I think we necessarily should not interest ourselves in the judgment of it, but we should de- definitely ask the questions of, man, like, is is this is this what the, the what the kingdom, like, are we a reflection of these verses? And I don't know how you ever arrive at that, but again, like, I think understanding what the kingdom is in many ways has even changed, uh, has even changed my ambitions, like. In many ways, like part of the reason why I wanted to do like videos and podcasts and I'll talk about all this stuff is because I was like, man, like we need to talk about this. Like this needs to be a conversation that we're having uh, and, you know, hopefully is one that that changes things 
that makes things greater. I was going to say change the things for the better, but I, I think that's a bad way to say it because it's not like things in, in many, in the case of many churches, it's not like things are bad. It's not yeah. like there are churches out there doing bad things, but I'm saying like we could be doing so much more. Like if we really set our understanding on the kingdom and what it is, and then really try to, to live that out. Um, yeah. Yeah, something that I, I don't know why it keeps ringing in my head right now is is the rich young ruler, um, which I, I know we're we're probably pretty familiar with the that story, and and he's basically asking, you know, what do I need to do to inherit the kingdom of God? And you know, Jesus kind of goes through some things that would have been familiar to him, and he's like, okay, I'm following those. You know, what what's left? Go yeah. sell your possessions and. And it's just, it's just sort of clicking in a fresh way right now that like, that's the, the beauty and the challenge I think of the kingdom as a Christian is like, there is no defined limit to it. It is just like limitless. It's like, it's, it, it is like you grow in a certain way, but it's not like then you've arrived and that's it. You got the kingdom. There's just going to be another layer of like depth. And as you know, I think if with garden of Eden as our like prime example of kingdom and like God's ultimate intention, until we return back to that, just undefiled, uninterrupted connection to God's presence you know, we're, there's going to be work to be done. There's, there's questions and like self-reflection that is going to, going to have to be done. Um, but you know, I think, I think there's, you know, a ton of grace to getting there. You know, I think like I, these things become so revealing to me. I don't, you know, I think right now I'm realizing how much bigger the kingdom is. I don't think that invalidates my, you know, uh, 13 years as being a Christian, you know, like, and so I, like, I think there is so much grace with it, but, but that grace also allows to just like be so much more than, than we can like possibly imagine. Yeah. You know, you just made me think of something very, I think that's very important as we're having this conversation, right? Because in the Bible, there's two concepts of judgment. And I think we need to understand the good one and not the bad one. So as, as we're talking about this, like we are encouraging one type of judgment and not the other. Mm-hmm. So n- n- in no way am I saying that like uh, not understanding the kingdom and what it is, is a condemnation of any way. Meaning that you don't understand the kingdom right now and it's, it's you've been condemned, like you are now sentenced to mediocrity for the rest of your existence. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is that there, in the Bible, and even in the English language, judgment can happen in two ways. One is one of, of, judgment, of, of condemnation, like this is your sentence. And the other one is one of evaluation. You can be a judge for a dog show, and you look at the dogs and you go like, oh, this dog is a better than the dog, that dog. I contemn you, dog, for mediocrity the rest of your life. <laughs> and so the, the, the judgment that we're supposed to uh, withhold is the condemning one. So mm-hmm. as we say these things, we're legitimately not judging anybody in the sense that, you know, if you're not here, if you don't understand what we're saying, if you disagree with what we're saying, 
Like, we're not going like, oh, like, final, like, we now put you in this category of bad people. That's not what we're saying. But what I think it does, it, what I do want to encourage you on to do is to evaluate, to mm -hmm. legitimately look at your life, to look at your church, to look at your community of faith, to all of those things and be like, do I see the kingdom here? Like if, if again, if the working definition of the kingdom that we're working on off of is a place where God dwells, where his king sits and where his people partner with him to bring blessings to the world, like, is that what you are experiencing? And if not, then what needs to change in order for that to, to be the case? Um, and I do think that it becomes a very exciting prospect to then pursue that. Because like you said, Beto, I think like the, the opportunities are boundless, man. Like if God is present, then, then what, it is, what is it that you can't do? Nothing. Mm -hmm. You can do anything. And so, and again, I think it, it, it just opens the doors to, to so many more things. Yeah, my last addition would be, you know, something that even, even I struggle with. Uh, it, it doesn't seem like this is, hey, these are the things that our church is good at. These are the things that we're not good at. Let's add those things. It's, it's not as simple as that. Right. Um, you know, because I think, personally, in my opinion, I think our church is relatively very good at evangelism. Our church is, I think, relatively very good at discipleship, like discipling relationships that we hold each other accountable. Like, I just don't see that in other types of churches. You know, some things that, you know, prayer, I'm not sure our church is as great at prayer as, you know, we should be. Serving the poor, I don't think our church is as great at serving the poor and serving the communities as it should be. But it's not about, hey, we need to have more of a, you know, serve the poor, serve the community focus. We need to have more of this focus. What I'm learning from understanding these conversations about the kingdom is that we need to understand the kingdom. Yes. Because when you understand the kingdom, you understand that these aren't pillars of which the kingdom stands on all of these are interconnected. Yeah. If you have great discipleship, then you have great evangelism. If you have great uh, serving the poor, then people see that, oh, there's something worth it. There's something like, these people are doing things that do not benefit them. There must be a reason, probably because God is true. And then when we reach out to them, it makes it even easier. They see we love each other, makes it even easier. If we pray, you know, it, it makes our discipleship even stronger. If we hold each other accountable, it makes us serving the poor stronger. It's like all of it is interconnected. And that's challenging for me. It's, 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 you know, I'm very much like, give me the numbers, give me the statistics. Where do we need to grow? What do we need to do? And how do we get there? And it's realizing I need to understand the kingdom. The kingdom is supposed to be this holistic thing. And it is supposed to provide for all needs. It is supposed to satisfy and fulfill. It's supposed to be perfect. That was Eden. Everything was perfect. Everything was provided. They had truly everything in common. You know, they bore each other's images. Like we bore the images of God. And, uh, and that a focus on serving the poor or a focus on doing these different things isn't giving up on a focus of other things. You know, right. it's part of it. Yep. And this is, the, this is my fear of, Partial understanding of the Bible makes partial Christians. I don't want to be a partial Christian. True. Uh, well, I think that is a very good place to end this conversation. I hope uh, that for those of you listening, it's been a pleasant listening experience. Mm. And uh, we thank you so much just for taking the time to listen to what we have to say. Uh, I will say that we welcome disagreements around here. Uh, and if you disagree with anything that we've said, or if you agree, we'd love to hear from you. Uh, you can uh, get in touch with us by going to our social media, 
uh, platforms. You can find us anywhere on social media at EtherMMC. You can find me personally, if you have a, a bone to pick with me specifically, <laughs> you can find me at Rodrigo Ether, and uh, I will welcome any feedback that you have for us. And uh, thank you so much for listening and uh, go in peace.